As soon as I'm finished sharing for this brief moment, get ready for the grand finale with the Times Square Church Choir as they celebrate, and I want you to celebrate with them this resurrection morning. I want to make this as simple as I can by simply answering the question, what is Easter? Let me give you the simplest meaning. The simplest meaning of Easter is that we are living in a world in which God has the last word. In fact, let me put it to you another way. John Stott said it like this, we live and die, but Christ died and lived. Now that's powerful. Think of the tensions you saw amongst the people as that knew Jesus the best in the movie three days later. There was jealousy, there was guilt, there was unbelief, there was depression as they didn't know what the end of the story was. And then a knock on the door and four women announcing that Jesus is alive, that changed everything in the room. It changed the jealousy, the guilt, the unbelief, and the depression because that's what the resurrection does. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. It forgives and transforms. And as you saw, it makes way for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Why does the resurrection matter? Because Christianity hinges on the resurrection. Find that carpenter and his body and the whole thing called Christianity crumbles. But I have good news for you. You won't find that carpenter's body because he rose again. A few years ago, a letter appeared in the national news that was sent to a deceased person by the Indiana Department of Social Services. I want to read it to you. This is what it says. Dear Madam, your food stamps will be stopped effective March 1992 because we received notice, here it comes, that you passed away. May God bless you. You may reapply if there is a change in your circumstances. Folks, can I just let you know, there hasn't been really anyone that has a change in those circumstances except one person. That is Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. There is a, there is a state park in the state of California that has a rock hanging on a cord with a large sign next to it. And it says weather report. Now, now get the picture. A, a, a cable hanging, a giant rock, and weather report. At first glance, when you read what's next to it, it seems infantile and ridiculous. But in actuality, it's almost profound and genius. Here is what the sign says next to the weather report and the swinging rock. This is what it says. Check the rock. If it's wet, then it's raining. If the rock is swinging, then it's windy. If the rock is white, it is just snowed. If the rock is dry, then it's not raining. And if you cannot see the rock, it's foggy. And if the rock is missing, there is, it's been blown away and there is a tornado. Oh my goodness, genius. Because I want to draw your attention to another rock this morning. The one right in front of the tomb. And I want you to check that rock this morning because too many of us have come to church online with questions on your mind. And I believe the statement from that state California um, rock, swinging rock, which says check the rock is a verbal challenge to every one of you that are watching today to deal with all of our questions. It's a statement that gives us instruction on where our questions are answered. 
Let me take a guess at some of the questions that you may be even having today. Are you wondering about how to receive eternal life? Here it is. Check the rock. Are you wondering what Easter is all about? Check the rock. Are you wondering how to be set free from the fear of death, the fear of COVID, the fear of the future? Check the rock. Are you wondering how to be set free from an addiction that you may be dealing with right now? Check the rock. Are you wondering about how to be delivered from, from, from even fears of, of a job? Check the rock. Are you wondering why Christianity is different than other religions? You know the answer. Check the rock. Are you wondering if Christianity is even relevant for you today? You got to check the rock. Are you wondering if Jesus is God? Check that rock. Are you wondering if Jesus is who he said he is? Check the rock. Are you wondering if Jesus really conquered death? Check the rock. I think you're getting it by now because if you're wondering if Jesus is alive today, then you have to check the rock. And if you're wondering if Jesus is going to speak to you today, check the rock. And finally, if you're wondering if you serve a Jesus or if there is a Jesus that keeps his promises, check the rock. Check the rock because you won't find that carpenter's body because the carpenter is who he said he is. Two women checked the rock and this is what they found in Luke 24. On the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared and they found the stone, the rock rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. The rock has been rolled away and the body of Jesus is no longer there. That's why, get this, Jesus didn't say on the cross, I am finished. He said, it is finished. You know why? Because he was just getting started. Check the rock. The implication of Jesus's resurrection theologically means Jesus doesn't lie. He told the truth is what this is telling us. Why does the resurrection matter for you and for me? The resurrection is for now and the resurrection is for later. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? Here's the now, John 14, 19. Because I live, you will live also. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, my life can be different now and it can be different later. See, I get a new life now and I get eternal life later. That's what makes this amazing. A changed life now and a forever life later, that's what makes the resurrection powerful. These are Jesus's words, John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then Jesus says this, I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. In fact, one paraphrase puts it like this, I came so they can have real and eternal life. That's now and later, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. Let me just take those two phrases, now and later, life now and life later. Let's speak to life now for just the next few moments. See, this is what Mary Magdalene was arguing in the movie that you just watched. Mary Magdalene is put on trial by the 11 in that room. They question her, but she will not be deterred. Why? Because she has experienced the resurrected Jesus now, life now. See, the first thing Jesus speaks to her when he rises from the dead were the tears of Mary in John 20, verse 15. See, the first words of the resurrected Jesus to Mary is this. 
There's no need to cry. I have risen to fix those tears. Man, I want to let you know right now, Jesus wipes tears away. Tears of disappointment and tears of hurt, tears of loneliness, tears of feeling that things are impossible in your life and in your home right now. See, Jesus's resurrection takes the impossible people and situations and makes them a possibility once again. That can only come from a resurrected Jesus. Not just a teaching Jesus, but a resurrected Jesus. I don't need a teacher, I need a resurrector. We have to get this Jesus right to experience that kind of life now. That kind of life starts with forgiveness. I was reading something a few years ago from one of psychology's um, iconic men, Carl Menninger, and he said this, the famed psychiatrist once said that if he could convince patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, this is, this is a, a, a psychiatrist. He said 75% of them could walk out the next day. But I, I started to read that and I'm going, yes, but, and here's my, here's, here is my, 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 my pause. How can you convince them? How can it happen? You need a resurrected Jesus, or then it's just yourself trying to convince yourself. That's why people are in the condition that they are, because they can't do it without Jesus. Or as Andrew Murray, the greatest Scottish preacher said, a dead Christ means I must do everything for him. But a living Christ, a resurrected Christ, does everything for me. That changes everything. You've heard the phrase, hey, if you believe that, let me sell you the Brooklyn Bridge. You know what, you know where that comes from? It's in the long history of con artists and especially a bunch of them right here in New York City. It was George C. Parker holds a special place of dishonor in that category. He is remembered as one of the most successful swindlers in American history with offices right here in New York City. And he is known for selling some of the city's most famous attractions or uh, um, selling them falsely. His favorite was to sell the Brooklyn Bridge. He sold the Statue of Liberty. He even sold Madison Square Garden. He would produce forged documents and deeds to convince all of his, all of his prey that they were the rightful owner of the Brooklyn Bridge, of Madison Square Garden, or of the Statue of Liberty. Let me just tell you this today. If Christ is dead, I'm selling you the Brooklyn Bridge. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is alive. And if you come to Jesus, not simply to church, religion, a denomination, he can forgive you now. That's the now part. It's not about coming to a service online or to a church in person. So whether you're watching online or trying to get inside the doors of a church, I am telling you, it's not getting into a building, it's getting into Jesus. Jesus did not die and raise from the dead simply to start a church. He rose again to forgive and change people now. And before this weekend ends, I want you to experience Jesus now. I want you to leave with peace now. I want you to leave with forgiveness now. That's why as we remind you every single week, Christianity is not coming to a place, but it's coming to a person. And that person is alive and changes everything. Life now, but so important is life after. Death talk is hard, but not for the Christian. Why? Because of the resurrection. 
I want you to see what the Apostle Paul speaks to when he speaks to death and connects it with the resurrection. He says the resurrection is not only for now, but the resurrection is for later. And you're going to see it. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the ending of the verse, and you're going to see now and later there. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you a minute, a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up into victory. See, before I read verse 55, what the Apostle Paul was saying is, your later is going to be dealt with because of what the resurrection of Jesus has done. He says, the, 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 the mortal is gonna put on immortality because of that resurrection. But here's what he goes on to say in verse 55. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says because of his resurrection, what he has done, your later is taken care of. But then he wants to remind you, he closes that chapter out by saying, but so is your now. And he says, therefore, he's, re he's referring to resurrection. He's referring to the life of the resurrection. He says, therefore, here comes your now. My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That is so powerful. Wrapped up, packed in to those seven verses. The Apostle Paul says, that's now and it's later. I was speaking to some former Major League Baseball players who were struggling with the idea of death. We're, we're struggling with the idea of later. What does later mean? And there was an anxiety that we were discussing. And I told them that here is, here is why you're having anxiety about death. I, I, I want to share with you what I shared with them. I want to give them to you. I said, there are three things why you have anxiety. And I want to give you it from, from ascending order. I want to give you three, two, and one, because the one is the most important. I said, first of all, I said, the reason why you're having anxiety, I called it to them. I said, it's the unlived life. You didn't do your bucket list. So many things that you're saying, I wish I could have done. And you start to realize what did you do and how much time that you've wasted. I said, that's the unlived life. But I said, secondly, it's the regret, it's the regretful past. This is when you go backwards and wishing you can take back words, actions, maybe weeks and months and maybe seasons and years that you're thinking, I should have apologized. I should have come clean with this. I should have spent more time with my kids. I said, so you're, 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 you're being, you're feeling this anxiety because of an unlived life, missed opportunities, but also a regretful past that wish you could have a do-over. But I said, but if I can share with you, here, here you have all, you have access to anything you want. You have a salary that can pay for anything. I said, but here's the most important thing of why you're dealing with anxiety. I, and this is what I told him. I said, it's the gnawing possibility of accountability. The gnawing possibility of accountability. I said, this is the eternity issue because you're dealing with the later. Is there a heaven and a hell? Will I be responsible for the life I've lived? Am I accountable? Will I stand before God? 
I would like to believe I die and it's all done with. We want judgment to exist for really, really bad people, but not for us. We want, we want the bad people of history to stand before God, but not us. We like karma better than God because karma is now and we don't have to think about the possibility, the gnawing possibility of accountability before God that's later. And this is what I told him. I said, here's what I want you to get. Number three and number two, unlived life and regretful past, deal with mortality, deals with now. My right now, my time on earth right now. I said, but the issue is it's number one. Because number one, the gnawing possibility of standing before God, number one deals with immortality. Could there be something after death? I'm not only anxious about, about the last years, but now you're anxious about what is beyond and forever. I, I can brush off dreams unrealized and even the stupid stuff that I did that I can't take back. But what you're saying is eternity is talking to me. And then I began to announce to them, eternity is too long to be wrong. See, the resurrection of Jesus not only deals with life now, but it deals with life later. So how do I know resurrection is not just for now, but for later? I was reading the story of a little girl that lived near a cemetery and often had to walk through it after dark. And someone once asked her, they said to this young 10-year-old little girl in this rural town, aren't you afraid? And she simply said this, she says, no, I'm not afraid because I know my home is just on the other side. See, the best way for us to finish this weekend is to ask the question, where are you going? Do you have hope at the journey's end? And as you are beginning to face that gnawing possibility of accountability, do you walk with confidence? And can you say like that young lady, it's okay, I'm not afraid. I know my home, my eternal home is just on the other side. Let me finish with this. The Bible has some really important questions that needed to be answered throughout the scriptures. Let me give you a couple of them, starting from Genesis and working all the way up to the New Testament. It was Cain that asked the, that was asked, that asked the question, am I my brother's keeper? It was Moses who asked the question, who is on the Lord's side? Job asked this question, if a man dies, shall he live again? David asked the question in Psalms, what is man that thou art mindful of him? It was Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament that asked the question, will a man rob God? It's the Philippian jailer in the book of Acts that said, what must I do to be saved? But there was no question more important than Pilate's question. Pilate, the man that tried Jesus, the man that began to bring down the gavel and, and, and said, I will listen to the cries of the majority and we will release Barabbas and we will send Christ to the cross. It was in Matthew 27, 22, probably the most important question in all of history, Pilate said to them, here's the question, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Listen to those words again. What shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? I don't think there is no more important question and pertinent question today than the question that Pilate had to deal with. But I, but I have to tell you how Pilate dealt with it. When Pilate faced this question, he evaded it in five different ways. I just started to list them down. The first thing he started to do was reason away. He reasoned about it and listened to his words. He says, I find no fault in this man. I, I thought, seriously, that's what you come up with, with your mind? 
You, you, no fault in this man. You are standing, really, you think, you think Jesus is standing before you, but Pilate, you're standing before God in the flesh and you're pronouncing judgment. I find no fault in this man. His reasoning made him God and judge and he's judging God in front of him. No fault needed to be in Pilate, not in Jesus. That's where reasoning gets you when you remove faith from, from the transaction. I think there's also deflection. Pilate decided to let others make the decision for him. He wanted to send him back to Herod and discuss. Herod sent him back to Pilate and Jesus was always in Pilate's hands. What Jesus was saying was, or really what he was trying to do was, he was trying to deflect the question, but he has to deal with it. And just have you, you and I have to deal with the question. Then there was the bargaining. He sought to compromise and strike a bargain. He was coming up with his own way of making himself good. He tried to scourge Jesus and then let him go, but there was no bargaining with the Son of God at this point. And then there was substitution. He tried to substitute somebody else. He tried to prosecute Barabbas and let Jesus go. And that's what we try to do sometimes. We try to substitute. We try to have people as a substitute. I'm not as bad as them. And so now, instead of looking at where I'm at with God, we start comparing ourselves and substituting our goodness against their chaos and think, I'm okay, as long as I'm not Barabbas. But then there was inventing, trying to make himself clean. He takes his hands that is eventually going to pronounce judgment, washes them in water, and begins to pronounce himself clean. I, I wash my hands in the whole matter. And I have to tell you, Pilate, you still didn't answer the question. No matter what you bargained with, substituted, invented, reasoned, or deflected, you ultimately, Pilate got the answer wrong on the most important question of everyone's lifetime that would have fixed Pilate's now and would have fixed his later. I don't want you to get this question wrong. I want you to have the best life now and I want you to have the best forever. So let me say to you what I said to some professional athletes, eternity is too long to be wrong. So here's your question today. What will you do with Jesus? Or let me ask a couple of different ways. Is how do you get to heaven? How are you forgiven? Or let me put Jesus's words in here. Have you been born again? Because those words determine now and later. Have you been born again? Those are the Jesus words. Those are the words from John chapter three. Because if I was to ask you the question, have you been forgiven? Are you going to heaven? Some people would say, well, yes, I've been water baptized or I had communion, I go to church or I'm sitting here in a, in, in a house watching an Easter. I go, to, I go to churches on Christmas and Easter. And so I'm a good person. All of these are good, but that's not what Jesus said. Listen carefully. If anyone knows the directions to his own home, it has to be Jesus. I, would, I wouldn't assume that I know the directions to your home because you've been there. You come, don't you think Jesus knows how to get to his own home called heaven? So why don't we listen to his directions today? And Jesus uses the word, you must be born again. Or he says this in John 3, 3. No man can see the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. Those are Jesus's directions. Eternity is too long to be wrong on this. When Jesus says you must be born again in John 3, 5, he was giving you the answer to now and later. 
He was giving you the answer to forgiveness and to eternity. Let's not deflect reason. Let's not bargain and substitute. And let's not invent something. Jesus literally is giving us the answer. You must be born again. Pastor Tim, how do I do that? Wherever you're listening to this, whether it's privately, whether it's with a group, I want to make this so clear for you. Just as we were talking about Easter, how to be born again, it's as simple as ABC. Each one of those letters stand for a word. It's A, admitting that I'm a sinner. It's when I get honest with God that all of us, starting with myself, have a condition called sin. And it can't be fixed by a promise, a program, a priest, a pastor, or just performing good stuff. We need help. We need, we need someone to fix us. I'm broken on the inside of the diagnosis of sin and I have to admit that I'm a sinner. Or as one person said, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. I don't need a second chance. I need a second birth. How does that come? That's the B word, believe. Believing that God sent his son to fix our sinful condition. I didn't need a teaching Jesus. I needed a Jesus that would be my sacrifice and then become the resurrection and the life. I can't fix myself. If we could fix ourselves, then God putting his son through the suffering he went through is the ultimate case of child abuse. If I could get myself to heaven by simply being good, then Jesus never would have had to come and die on the cross. But Jesus' death was him being my sin bearer. We talked about that on the Friday night service as we watched the, the, the first part of three days later. And then we talked about why Good Friday is good. He died the death that I should have died, lived the life that I couldn't live, and gave me a reward, heaven and forgiveness, that I didn't deserve. And finally, it's the C. So it's A, admit, B, believe, C, confess. Confessing Jesus is Lord. Do you think that God sent Jesus to die on a cross simply to get people to sit in a church on a Sunday? That wasn't his goal. His goal wasn't church or to start a church or a denomination. His goal was to get us to heaven to be with him forever. Coming simply on, a, on, a, on one day a week and spending an hour or an hour and a half, that's religion. But being born again is a relationship. It's I don't, I don't go to church for two hours on a Sunday or whatever just to, just to have, a, have a friendship with God. It's every day. Monday through Saturday is just as important as Sunday. That's why we said Christianity is not coming to a place, but it's coming to a person and saying, you are now Lord confessing him as Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That word Lord means boss. It means you don't, I don't just listen on Sunday. I listen every day. You are in charge of my life now. And I want to challenge you today. Just as you had a first birth, born physically, you need a second birth. That's being born spiritually. And this is where it can happen right now. Right now. Remember, life now. And if you can get this right, have you been born again? Right now, wherever you're at, this can change. And not only does it change your now, it changes your after. Your forever. That's what the resurrection does. You may be sitting in a group, you may be sitting alone, but I want to begin to challenge you right now. I want you to take the first step. I want you to pray a born again prayer with me right now. I want you to pray a prayer that doesn't say I'm perfect and I have to do this because perfect people don't go to heaven, but forgiven people go to heaven. And if you're willing today, wherever you're at, 
You may be sitting with others. You're going like, I don't know if I want my wife to hear this. Or maybe it's a family praying together. Maybe it's a father, maybe bold enough to say, this is what we need as a family. Maybe it's taking the hand of your spouse and your children and going, let's pray this together. I want you to pray these words with me out loud, wherever you're at. I don't care if you're watching on Resurrection Sunday or it's a Monday, it doesn't matter. You can have your now and after, your now and forever change right now. Come on, pray this with me. Say these words out loud with me and let's begin that first step of seeing now and later changed. Come on, say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say it with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. You have just made the greatest decision of your life. You decided today to be born again, to change your now and later. And God, the resurrected Son of God, now forgives and now secures you for heaven. Hey, I wanna challenge you to do two things. Here's the first one. I'm gonna ask you, if you prayed that prayer, the first thing is I want you to text the word decided to 51,000. We're gonna help you on next steps. Wherever you're at, from around New York City, around the country, and even around the world, I wanna just challenge you. Just text that word. You'll, you'll begin to see, to see some uh, video links come in just to help on just next steps of what it means to be born again. That's texting the word decided to 51,000. That's the first thing. But the second thing is, we're not done. I want you to prepare yourself because we wanna celebrate for those that have made the greatest decision of their life. And we wanna celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ with the grand finale of this weekend, three days later. I want you to join with us as we celebrate the resurrection with the Times Square Church Choir. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.